Now it's time to look ahead to what 2022 might have in store for all of us. I'd originally intended to draw up my own personal list of likely events for 2022, but that was before the Omicron variant made any predictions pretty much impossible. And as it turns out, many of the items I was planning to mention mention, have already been raised by our friend Ben Griffiths over at Rye Demolition. So here's Ben. He's the taller one. And Ewan, he's the shorter one. Uh, Ewan is clearly a man of few words, but here's their thoughts on what we have in store in the coming year. Uh, Hi, Mark. Hope you're well. Um, With regards to your question, well, what does the industry hold for us in 2022? Um, I've had a think. Uh, I've written a few notes. I think there's probably a lot of pent-up demand due to COVID uh, for the last year and a half, so I'd imagine it's going to be busy. So a lot of people wanting to do a lot of works that we weren't able to get done over the past year and a half. Um, and I'd imagine we're going to have some potential issues really with resource people. I fear we may have lost quite a few good people, good trained people who may have gone home to their kind of native countries and due to COVID. I think we'll see a lot more from the councils about us uh, having to use a certain amount of local labour on jobs and having that as part of the um, well, the agreements really to get the planning through. Um, I think there's going to be a huge drive on training generally. Um, I think we're going to see more focus on getting into the schools, getting uh, the kids really up to speed on what demolition is, the potentials there for careers uh, and a real kind of focus on that grabbing grabbing them young. Um, And yeah, reducing really the carbon footprints uh, of our works trying to drive that net zero, looking for new ideas, HVO, reuse instead of just recycle, um, and and just a continued focus on that, really. Um, Well, that's all from me, and uh, I look forward to hearing everybody else's opinion. Cheers. Right, we've got a couple of familiar faces joining me for this freestyle crystal ball gazing. So while I'm getting them on the show, here's this. Hello, Mark. How are you? Indeed. Um, uh, is, is that your crystal balls you're polishing, or are you just pleased to see me? I, I had <laughs> Good morning, Mark. <laughs> um, Neil, let's start with you. I mean, we've just heard from Ben there. Um, We'll come to some of the details of that. But as we've said previously on the show, the contract awards that are being announced literally over the past few months are the ones that will become the workload for the early part of 2022. So are we hitting the ground running or are we off to a stuttering start as the Omicron Omni shambles? <laughs> right. I think we're going to a pretty positive start for 2022. Um what we've seen so far, even in December, there's we're over £2.7 billion worth of new uh, awards, which is uh, pretty good because obviously December is that month where uh, there are lots of, uh, oh, no, they're, they're not parties, they're um, uh, business meetings happen <laughs> <laughs> and a few cheese and wine, uh, no, business meetings occur. Um, but, yeah, I think we're, we're looking okay, actually. Um in last December, there was this huge rush of HS2 projects that came through. 
Um, and you'll see the actual accumulative total for 2021, which is standing at just over, I think it's about 76 billion, has fallen quite considerably since we spoke early part of the month because of those huge HS2 projects. But they're still there. Um, obviously, you know, seven or eight billion pounds worth of work at HS2 is not is going to go on for many years to come. So I think we're looking pretty positive for 2022. <clears throat> also, I'd like to touch on the, the, the fact that the contract awards of this month will probably be starting around about the time of the, the switch from red to white diesel as well. That's likely to have an impact. Do, do you get the impression that people have, have already factored that in or are, are we betwixt and between right now? <laughs> I think Peter has, has said it as well as I have. There's a big no to that one. Um, no. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, what, what we've, it, and this is only, I can only say this via sort of like anecdotally. I think if, if companies started to add those costs onto their uh, quotations, their bids, etc., I am pretty certain those projects would not proceed at this present moment in time. So how are they going to get that money out or how they're going to actually pay for the new uh, diesel uh, levy or, or the removal of the obviously VAT, et cetera? I don't, I don't understand that. And I think that's going to be a sticky part to uh, 2022. April is going to be seeing some difficulties. And I think today um, the, uh, the inflation rate went up to over 5% as well. It was actually stated in the news this morning as I came in. In the car. So if you've got over 5% inflation today, and you're also going to get those bits and pieces of moving of all materials, all products across the UK, um, it, it's going to it's going to be a difficult part to in the second quarter of 2022. It's I, I bring you in on this as well, Peter, I mean, it, it's going to be a, a, an interesting time because some of the, the obstacles we face this year, like skill shortages, like material shortages, and like material price hikes, They've not gone away. They, they, you know, they, they will continue into the new year. I mean, obviously, we've seen huge hikes in, in things like the cement price. That's going to continue. And and I, I take on board what you say about the idea of, of possibly some of those projects not going ahead because of the hike in fuel costs. But that fuel fuel hike, uh, that hike in the fuel price isn't going away either. We can't just stop, can we? No, Mark, I think, you know, one of the, the big things for me is it's all around can we look at how we can do things better and how we can actually sort of negate some of these changes. And I think what this is going to do is there's twofold. Obviously, there's the immediate element, when, and I genuinely feel that people are thinking, hey, the government's going to just do a U-turn, turn around and say, yeah, no, we're not going to, we're going to do it, um, we'll do it now, this red to white diesel, we're just going to put it further down the line. And I think people are just clinging on to that hope in some uh, areas, whereas other areas, people have recognised that actually, okay, let's do the sums. So huge increase in fuel. Let's do another sum. Um, I can't get my equipment onto the likes of things like HS2 and Highways England, National Highways, as they are now, sorry, um, projects, unless I'm stage five engine. Hmm. Let me just think about that. I can't also get onto site unless I'm using machine control with, with some uh, projects. And all of these from the tier one big client processes all the way down to now into house building. There's been a huge boom. And one of my podcast guests and, and interviewees uh, said it's like a herd of elephants coming over the hill, the amount of machine control that's gone into the industry this year. 
because people are recognizing not just that it's mandated by people, but it's actually better. It uses less fuel. And I think that 2022 is the time where, yes, we've got these challenges and we've got the HVO diesel switch as well. And, you know, people do need a lot more confidence in that. And again, supply of fuel. If everyone overnight switches to HVO, have we got enough fuel supply, for example? That, those are the other issues. The, so, you know, I genuinely think 2022, as the, the equipment flows back out of the factories that were shut down in the COVID uh, lockdown, and as people recognize this is the cost of fuel, this is the cost to me in lost business if I don't shift to these technologies. And on top of that, if I do slip shift to these technologies, buy new equipment, I save an awful lot of fuel. And then the biggest thing for me, Mark, is we've talked about net zero. I did a big interview with National Highways that was out on my channels um, on Peter Haddock at LinkedIn and, and content with media on, on YouTube and Facebook. And they're talking about, this is a board level uh, individual called Malcolm Dare. He's talking about 2022 disruptors coming into the market as well. Now, people look at disruptors <coughs> and go, what's that all about? These are technology providers, solution providers that are seeing the construction industry as a really massive opportunity for change. And when you look at things like uh, figures that we've touted around for years now saying, you know, a machine only works for 30% of the time or is uh, or, or on site or a machine is idling for 30% of, of the time using fuel, uh, all of the data elements and the connectivity that we're seeing coming through is actually going to be another big thing because fundamentally every asset that is going to be on site in any major project is going to have to be properly connected, talking two-way um, to us to allow us to say, look, this is the carbon impact of the activities you're doing. So think as built data, we're digging and the machines, the machine controller, sending all this data and information, receiving it, sending it back out. But now in the future, we've got to go and say, what is the UK Earthworks PLC standard for reporting on carbon emissions? And is it just what emissions are coming out of the machine or is it actually got to be way more sophisticated and go this machine over here is putting these emissions out because it's doing that amount of work and we can see that we've monitored the payload on that and all the way through with all the fleet matching and everything to see where that piece of dirt has actually gone and ended up and the carbon impact of that and therefore that's the new standard so all of these things are coming into play some of them are going to be mandated others are going to be like common sense you know if a new machine costs me this amount of money, if I then add all these bits and bobs on it and it's costing me this amount of money, but fuel is going up to that amount of money and I can do all of that a lot cheaper if I invest in all of that, then that's what you're going to do. It's just business sense, you know, and these sort of things and these challenges are going to push us further and further towards technology and also further and further, like your previous guest said, um, into looking at how we bring new people into the industry how we train them, and how we actually go, whoa, whoa, we need to go faster and all these different things. So I I believe that net zero is, is another thing that is the people aren't looking at because it's too far down the line. It was a bit like the scenario with, with the fuel in April. 
hunt fundamentally, this is going to come very, very quickly into the industry. And if you're not gearing up now and you don't take action now and you don't learn how to do things better and you don't learn all these different things, experiment and work with people, you're going to get literally left behind uh, and left behind on cost, carbon and everything else. And, and, and not to mention, Mark, the other big thing I'm going to be talking about next year, social value and the impact you have, like your previous guest said, about employing people locally and putting back into the community and having a better face of construction. Ooh, only a few things to think about, Mark. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to all of that and we'll certainly come back to your herd of elephants in a second. But obviously, uh, Mick Norton has put up a, a, a post there. Uh, Civil Engineering Contractors Association survey found that the new diesel rules will cost each SME construction firm between a quarter of a million and £600,000 per year which is an astonishing amount of money. But you add that to the rise of steel, the rise of cement, hmm. the rise of labour. You know, inflation is, is on the increase. Everything seems to be going up. And we, I, I've just got this horrible, horrible feeling now that we've we've had a, a, a couple of years where we've been playing catch-up with COVID catch-up. You know, the industry is going great guns, as, as Neil reports on a, on a regular basis. But it's like the storm clouds are gathering. It's not just one storm cloud. It seems to be many, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Neil, you'll 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 know that uh, impact yourself as well. Absolutely. I, I think what what we've had is two good years, definitely two good years of uh, work. Even though through this quite difficult time through COVID, etc. But because we've had this key worker status, and uh, it, it was a few years ago that uh, a, a research was done that every pound that was put into uh, the construction industry, one pound sixty four came back to the economy. Now, that's not going to be too dissimilar as we speak today. So uh, any economics, any um, people at the top will be looking at that saying, right, OK, we've got to put money into uh, construction to keep uh, the UK going. And that's what's happened. Um, but we are seeing there are uh, external forces, if you can say it like that, that can that will be changing it. And, and uh, the, the green issue, the zero rating or the net zero uh for machinery, etc., or the UK is going to have a detrimental effect in a way in in how we look at things. Um, for the for the good thing, for the it's going to make everything better. But in the short term, we are going to have a problem. So, so do those companies that haven't started to invest and haven't started to uh, look at their fleets and look at how they do things, because as Peter said, they're they're in the background or behind their back, they've got their fingers crossed to say, no, this won't happen, this won't happen. Are they actually going to survive this period? And if if it is between 250,000 and 600,000, as, as your contributor said, um, is there going to be a number of companies going into administration in the latter part of this year, especially with the other, four, you know, as you say, 30% on cement prices, steel work going up, I don't know, 50 pound a ton uh, per month for the last few months, um, timber prices, and then you, you've got to put Brexit on top of that as well, where we're ha still having issues getting getting some goods through the actual ports. You you mentioned herd of elephants. I'm going to obviously point at one particular elephant in the room here. We're we're we're, we're making these these wild predictions about what the uh, UK is facing in the near future, but we've got Omicron, <laughs> which could potentially put the kibosh on just about everything we're saying now, couldn't it? it 
Yeah, I think so, Mark. I think, you know, you, we've seen how well the construction industry has coped in this period of time. In fact, you know, a lot of people have worked very, very hard in the industry. You look at Sunbelt that you showed earlier, you know, they, their, their teams were putting up COVID testing centres and stuff in 12 hours and supporting, you know, not just the, the construction industry, but also the rest of us to, to get tested and, and to try and beat this virus. But, you know, when you see and hear about whole teams going down, that becomes a bit of a problem because fundamentally we are in, in a scenario where, hmm, you can't necessarily mesh those teams together and again you can't have a you can't have a welfare unit for every individual person on the job site you know so we we, we don't know what's going to happen with this however what we do know that if it is one of these scenarios where it is more transmissible and a lot of people get it very very quickly and it's quite mild well actually we'll find out that we'll get towards the the real dig season later on in the year because obviously january february the weather uh, can be terrible and actually we, we're in a much better space so you, you can never tell what's going to happen but certainly i you know i can uh, hear of and know of a lot of people that are, are starting to catch covid again uh, and you know it's just a natural element of us all being inside but we as the construction industry are very resilient and i think what has happened, and I've talked to quite a few people about this this year in particular, what has happened with the COVID element is it's accelerated the adoption of technology because what you can do now is you can separate your surveyor. So your surveyor and your engineer is working from home on the models. Those models are being sent back by the machine that's doing all the digging and all the work. And fundamentally, that surveyor is then going and changing the models and putting them back to the machine with the individual in it. And never the twain have to meet in the same place because that operator can arrive on site, go into their cab, and they literally don't have to go anywhere else apart from, you know, for, for some welfare uh, elements. Uh, but fundamentally, that has changed the people plan interface with a lot of businesses forever. And so that's actually allowing us to get over a lot of these sort of hurdles of mixing and everything within the industry. And obviously, we're, we're generally doing stuff outside. So there are yeah. lots of positives as well. I, I totally agree with you, Peter. And de de definitely COVID is starting to uh, rear its ugly head again, uh, and whether it be this variant or not. But um, I'm quite excited to what you've just said there as well about how the industry is starting or will have to embrace technology because realistically we are one of the, one of the poorest at doing that because what can happen is is with technology brings uh, and I always say it brings accountability because technology allows things to be totally transparent so if you're not there at a certain time or you're not there at a certain date it's you cannot argue against that technology so take that forward even into machinery. If you're not, if you're saying that you're not working or whatever, you should be working. It, it, it's 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 a great thing, and with that technology, we'll actually in, entice a group of people that haven't even thought about construction industry uh, as as a career prospect, and that's that's where it excites me because we've got a we have got a, a an issue that sometimes people think construction isn't the industry isn't that sexy um but when technology is brought into it those people that are looking at it in a different way will think to themselves 
I think I can do something here and, and actually we can bring people into it. And I, I, I am very excited about that. I probably won't be around when, when it fully actually, um, I'll be well truly retired by then by the time it's actually implemented on site. But it, it's, 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 a, it's an exciting time for everybody, I think, really. I get the impression that you two are both glass half full, whereas I, I, not only is my glass half empty, but the glass actually belongs to somebody else. Because I, I the know. feeling of, <laughs> it's almost like we plan these things, isn't it? But one of the things that struck me this time around with with Omicron, and I'm aware of the fact that it's, it seems to be milder and everything else, but to a degree, I feel less certain this year, this Christmas, than I did last Christmas. Because we'd had we'd had the experience of a lockdown and we were going into another lockdown, but we knew what lockdown looked like and what it felt like and the fact that construction had key worker status. Whereas this year, I feel like we're going into a period of, of real uncertainty. Is that just me? No, yes, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, Mark. I think, no, I mean, look, look, to answer that question, look, I think... You know, I think everybody has worked very, very hard this year. And, and you know, I am, quite frankly, exhausted myself. You know, I think never before have I got to, a, to the end of a, a year and thought, wow, that was something else. I mean, the industry's changed. Your lives have changed. And we've all been doing you know, the stiff upper lip and, and getting out there and doing things. And, you know, I, I think there is a lot of people that are going right now because there's another thing to cope with. But, you know, we've coped with the big lockdowns. We've coped with the next lockdowns. We'll cope again, you know, as uh, as individuals and, and, and en masse as, a, as the human race. But I do, do genuinely think, and I'd say this to everybody, I think you've really got to start looking after your mental health in, the, in this industry. And we really need to do better with that. And I mean, the Lighthouse Club charity... Um, I've basically been supporting um, now, as have yourself, uh, Mark, for some time. I made a donation of content with media this year, and I'm going to help them with with my time next year. Um, and basically, the, the biggest thing that we do need to talk about is how we talk to each other. And, and I think, you know, positive or negative, I'm always positive, but I'm 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 tired like the rest of people, I'm looking forward to a break, whatever that, that, that looks like. But moving forward, we have got a lot of things to, to look forward to. We have got a lot of exciting things happen. We are far more connected. We're far more resilient right now. And whatever is thrown at us, we will get through things. And I just think, you know, for those people out there that, that might, you know, be um, having some difficulties right now uh, in getting through that and, and working through that or, you know, might be having some mental health issues. I'd, I would really say to people right now, I get where you're coming from. It's exhausting. But please make sure that you get in touch with the Lighthouse Club charity because that's what they're there for, to support people that aren't feeling the best, to support people that are struggling, not just physically um, or mentally, but also families uh, of construction workers that um, that are struggling to make ends meet. So, you know, not just the industry out there and all the exciting things that are happening. It's also about 
we've got a great charity and we've got a great bunch of people in in the construction industry that raise an absolute fortune. There's £210,000 raised at the Christmas function for the Lighthouse Club charity this year. And uh, lighthouseclubcharity.org uh, is the website. Uh, lighthouseclub.org, I think, is the website. But, you know, we, we need to recognise that that it's people that are important to this business. And, you know, we will get through. And it's the people that have that drive that have been already changing the shape and face of it um, throughout this whole period. And I totally endorse that. Exactly. That. Uh, my, most of my friends and colleagues would also say that I'm normally a half empty person uh, or half glass uh, person. Um, but no, we've got to look uh, to be half full on this one. And, and one of the things that um, Peter's just touched on, I totally agree with mutual respect and support for others. That's what we've got to look for, because it, there is no doubt the last 18, 20 months have been absolutely horrific for some people. Uh, and they've gone through many different things. And it doesn't have to be linked with construction. It just can be their lives. And, and we we have to say, and I, I think you actually looked at the documentary, Mark. It was about, I think it was, uh, what was it, uh, Rowan Kemp? Uh, rather than saying, how are you? And we always go, yes, okay. No, you've got to say it again. No, how are you? Because that's what we've got to find out. And if because pe some people are putting on some brave faces out there, um, but we've got to help them and support them. And the Lighthouse charity is an excellent charity. Um, I've been to a number of their events, especially down in Kent, which um, uh, the, the Gallagher family very much support down in that neck of the woods. Um, and yes, if you are struggling, if anybody is struggling through the construction industry, please get in contact with the Lighthouse because they really do fantastic stuff. We'll, we'll come back to a bit more positivity, hopefully, in just a second. <laughs> we, we, we've got a couple of bits and pieces that are lurking in the background. Obviously, <laughs> we're about, um, what what are we now, two months away from the sixth anniversary of uh, the Didcot disaster. Still mm. no resolution on that. And, and probably one that's probably a bit closer to home um, for all of us construction-wise is the Grenfell inquiry is now in its it, fairly advanced stages. And we're going to be seeing the, the fallout from that, you know, the government's uh, building safety programme. Building safety programme, is a fantastic idea, back it wholeheartedly, but that plays again into the rising cost of, of construction because anything that, that that recommends is going to be over and above what we're doing today and is going to take an additional cost, isn't it? Yeah, the, the external, I, I spoke about the external factors and those are some of those external factors. Um, but what we've got to make sure is they are implemented uh, because uh, you cannot have the situation where we have at Grenfell or at Didcock or whatever. We've got to bring forward uh, new legislation and we've got to make sure that we are adhering to it as well. And there are too many instances where I'm sure, um, anecdotally, allegedly, um, where people behind the scenes after the Grenfell are having their fingers crossed thinking, wow, that was close, and looking back on their side. Now, BIM was supposed to be part of that, um, where we could actually go through everything. Now, the uptake on BIM probably hasn't been as good as it should have been, in my eyes. Um, it, it, it's there in, in, in many cases, but it hasn't become um, a natural process for us. And BIM would sort out some of these issues back to technology as well. But yeah, external forces or external elements, not forces, external elements will have an impact on costs as we go forward. 
And I think um, to come to your point there, I think BIM and the connected worksite is is right here, right now. I think you'll find that 2022 is an explosion in what we're saying is, is real-time data transmission. You know, you've got the 5G network increasing. You've got people putting in um, technologies on site whereby that you can bring in the model. You can have machines going with as-built data all the way through. Uh, and an and element to that is how we then look at BIM. I think BIM, it needs to be rebranded, quite frankly, because building information modeling, it's like it's digitizing the construction site. So it's a digital work site. And I've talked to people. And what's really exciting for me is I talk to people about you know, real time and everything. But I've also talked to people about the digital rehearsal. Now, the digital rehearsal is mapping the whole project in a digital sense, 3D modeling, all the rest of it, and actually rehearsing how it's going to be built, you know, and what segments you should do why and when and why, where you should put your porter cabins and your welfare units, how you should bring in equipment, what types of equipment you should use, what's the impact of doing that, what's the impact even of long-term weather forecasts. And this sort of whole digital space, a lot of people, it's a bit like, you know, all these EV cars you're getting. Uh, a lot of people have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And this is all going to be rolled out uh, in, in, you know, 2022 and continued and developed. And the visualization of what we can see on site and where things should be. We've already seen it with with the with the sort of glass uh, that that. that looks down and you see underground when you're in the uh, when you're in the excavator we've already seen that kind of technology mooted and stuff all of this stuff is going to come down the line and i think that is going to help us rebrand um, all these complex things that have you know probably been put out there by some very very clever people we just need to simplify and say just it's just 3d you know it's just minecraft but it's real you know and Oh, okay. It's not that complicated then. No, no. There's no terminologies. A, B, C slash forty two X, Y, Z. It's it's a model, and we're going to build this, and we're yeah, just going to take this like that. That rebranding yeah. idea it really does resonate with me because I, I heard a stat yesterday that they they reckon seventeen percent of construction costs are actually in reworks. <laughs> and going back to what you were saying uh, earlier, Neil, about transparency, you know, if you if you had a pre-construction model and that model basically dictated everything that happened after that, I'm not saying reworks will ever re vanish entirely, but they should be minimised. And all of a sudden, you've made yourself a, a significant saving. And I, I, I think one of the problems with with BIM, as you've rightly said, is it was this it was this highly complex thing that was being mandated. When in actual fact, somebody might have waved a flag and said, if you use this, you could save a few quid. This, this, this could actually benefit you, Mr. Contractor, you know? Well, even, even better than that, Mark, if you use this, this will stop you getting retentions and this will prove to your client you've actually done the work when you've done the work. And this will help you with your relationship all the way up to the HS2s and all the way uh, down to yourself. If you're, you know, tier five in the, in the mix, you know, it will help you get paid properly and it will help you prove the work that you've done uh, to the standard that you've done it in and it will help all of your individuals in your business uh, understand the impact of doing things the best possible way you can it's interesting you touched on on retentions there and i'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure neil's got his finger on this pulse because there there are big moves on at the moment on, yeah. on the idea of outlawing retentions long overdue in my opinion absolutely but um 
the cards are in one one side of this uh, game's hand at the present moment in time, and uh, um, it's going to have quite an uh, an effect on people's or some people's cash flow because um, retentions, even though they're supposed to be there to, as Peter said, to make sure uh, defects are carried out after the actual practical completion. So it's kind of a, a, a holding element for businesses against subcontractors, whoever. Um, but because it can be used um, in the wrong ways by businesses, uh, that will have a direct impact on cash flow. So I don't know how much pushback will be coming. Um, it's it's obvious it's got to happen. You've got to be able to um, hold account uh, people that have actually uh, produced something on site and make sure that it's done correctly and there is you, you are able to rectify it if it's a problem because it's just like having a, a shirt and a button falls off it. You're able to take it back to a supermarket or wherever or a store to actually get it changed because it wasn't actually done correctly. Um, but it's a, a little bit more difficult if you've got on site and the company that has actually produced the toilet or whatever it is has actually then gone bust, etc. Or um, it, 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 it's a difficult one, but it, it is long overdue. There, there is two camps in this side of things. How do you maintain accountability for the people doing the work is one thing. But the other side of it is it shouldn't be weaponized against me. Uh, by holding it against me and never giving me that money because really all it is is a tax. Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly reading through the, um, the 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 bill that's going through the House of Lords at the moment, it, I got the impression that there were companies out there, you know, tier one contractors and, you know, the big name contractors actually saw retentions basically as part of their um, cash flow. And to the point where not only is it being, taking months and years to be paid, in many, in many instances it's become accepted, the fact that it's not paid at all. You're dead right. It's, it's used anecdotally, allegedly, and all of those. <laughs> I'll put I all of those. running across the bottom of the screen, really. Yeah, I? yeah. Uh, it, it is used as a a further tax element and a further profitability element. And, and but this this is the whole industry. We have the construction industries has made itself um, an element. If there is a problem, it thrives on that problem because somebody is at fault um, and therefore they can therefore ask money for that. We, at the present moment in time, all bids, and that's quite a huge statement to make, but all bids that are going in are at the not the correct price because there needs to be a 10% contingency in most of those projects. And you can't get things done absolutely correct on day one unless you start to bring technology into it, exactly like Peter said about modeling things, looking at things, taking a bit more time over things. You know, when you're considering some projects, four or five million pounds, should we take even at that, are trying to be bid in five weeks. How can you get your head around all of that? And the information that you're receiving is only three quarters of what it, the job is. And how do you expect that cost or that bid to remain at that price? It, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. So therefore, that's why retentions are used as an extra two and a half percent or three percent or whatever it's going to five percent are used by the contractor to supplement his profitability. The crazy thing with that, though, and again, coming at this from the uh, demolition angle, is the fact that, you know, retentions are used against demolition contractors. 
but surely demolition contractors have the ultimate proof. <laughs> there was a building there. The building isn't there anymore. Can I be paid, please? No. no we're we're going to sit. It just it's a it's a lunacy. It really is. Yeah, I think so, Mark. And I, but you know, I, I do think there is a, a a real push to change that. But also, I think there's a real push for people to actually work together better. That because you know, fundamentally, let's look at a big, big project that worked really, really well. Really, really well is the A14. That was an integrated project between all of the supply chain. They even brought some supply chain members in as consultants before first as well before anything was was bid and then uh, you know did a proper bidding process but they all integrated they all worked together they all used the technology they all shared information and they all actually looked at even though these were segmented up looked at where the best part was to you know to to put in um the materials from one section where to gain from others and they worked together properly that project was delivered under budget and before time so all of this is possible. That's a major, major project. And, you know, but it's got to be working together. And like, uh, you know, Malcolm Dare said to me from National Highways, he said, look, we want people to be more integrated. We're not going to stop them being commercially successful. Everybody has that opportunity, but everybody has the ability to integrate together and work together better. And if we can do that and we can prove the point, then those people that have won that job and worked that effectively are going to grow. I mean, you look at the people on the A14, they're all the people that are working on HS2. You know, they've taken all that knowledge and integration and, and put it onto the major project like that. And they continue to learn and do things. You know, so the commerciality of the business, great, and the industry, but also the collaboration bit, and it's an overused word, integration rather than collaboration, um, is, is out there and it's delivering. And I think people have got to recognize that that is going to be the standard way forward uh, in how you need to work, because that will deliver better outcomes for all. Is that going to be the, the outcome? Because it, it strikes me with a lot of these things. I mean, you just mentioned the A14. You think about Hinkley Point. You think about HS2 in particular, <coughs> where we've got virtually every bit of technology available is being thrown at these things. You know, these big, big projects, they've got all the technology, they've got all the advances and everything else. But that doesn't apply to the rest of the industry. It's, it's almost like we're, you know, we're, we're arming them with hoverboards while the rest of us are still scooting around in, uh, in a wholesome car. Are we dragging the rest of the industry up with these things? I think we can see that we are, Mark, because what we've seen this year in particular is we've seen, and I've witnessed a lot of it. I've been on a lot of house built building jobs and contractors and things like that, uh, and I'm due to go on uh, more in in July, uh, sorry, January, February. And um, these businesses are now recognising the benefits of the likes of use of machine control, but also of estimating systems like the like AgTech that I've reported on, where basically that tool can use Google Earth and can actually you know, use 2D drawings and things to estimate the whole project. You can show the client in real time changing buns and things like that as to how they can save money and win work. And I've spoken to a contractor in Wales about that, I've uh, got a podcast coming out, actually going to visit the, the site that they've won, their biggest ever project, because of using the technologies. And I just think that, you know, when we see everything going down into house building and, and, and 
uh, infrastructure and repairs and things like that using technology, we see that that is already the case. And we've had an absolute record year for the, the sales of, uh, of new technologies and, and, and enabled equipment. You know, you look at how many people have gone fitting this, fitting this today, fitting this today. It's all over social media. And so we've broken that barrier. This year has really helped us break that barrier. And everybody knows that if they don't go there and the conversations I've had with people um, and leaders that said, we went down this route because we were losing work. And if you're losing work, then you know that's a big problem. If you can't compete with others that are doing it, that's a big problem. And, you know, I'm going to have to go back to Cornwall again uh, soon, Mark, because, you know, all these sort of contractors, even regional contractors, are just getting on with it and doing that now. I can see Neil nodding in agreement above you there. Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely. You know, we've got to embrace technology and we are embracing technology. And I, I noticed something on <coughs> across the bottom there. Oh, we're, we're better than Europe. Well, yes, that's fine. Or we're better than other people. There it is across the, across the English Channel. Um, but we still need to improve um, because there is so much out there that we can look at. Why can't we be innovators? We've always been innovators within uh, Great Britain. So l let's carry that on. You know, I, you speak about it quite often as not about the when we have initially looked at uh, in the 1800s, putting a, an underground system into the, uh, you know, into London. Well, we were still got horse and cart then. So we've been innovators throughout through our lives. So let's have a look at innovation within construction, which forms, what is it, 12% of the UK economy, something like that. So it's, just, it's a huge part of us, you know, and, and then we can bring better people into it, look at it, become safer. Um, everything's tick, 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 tick. Um, I am looking positive for 2022, but... I do, if there is one thing I do worry about, and that is cost. That's the only thing that I'm worried about if I look at 2022 is cost. One of the things that strikes me, obviously you and I speak on a, on a monthly basis, Neil, about um, the facts of what, what we're seeing. But obviously sentiment, uh, market sentiment and confidence play a huge role. And I think one of the key indicators of that traditionally has been exhibitions. You know, you can go to some exhibitions and come away feeling feeling inspired and feeling fired up and bizarrely that's exactly how i came back from las vegas little did i know but <laughs> but, but exhibitions are are a real barometer of of public confidence we've we are hopefully going to get what have we got next year future works executive hire show hillhead bauma are we getting those as it stands today omicron well, breathing down a neck are they going to go ahead Mark, I think, you know, we, 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 the quick answer is uh, we don't know. Before we get on to this, I just want to answer a question from Mick Norton, if you don't mind. Um, uh, is Peter saying that BIM modelling is sufficiently effective to guarantee a contractor would have their attention paid on time and in full? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that when you've got the tools and when you've got the, the, the data and the models and everything else that prove what you've done, that allows you to say that work has been done. Here's the machine that's told us this. Here's the as-built model. Here's the things. Here's the proof points that that has been done and been done to the model that you have delivered to us. So it, it sort of breaks down some of those conversational barriers to say we have done the work. Give us our, our money when it's due. So there's never any, any any quick fix to retentions. He thinks not. He's absolutely right. But I think it's another tool in the box to get paid. 
So just to get that one clear first. But yeah, let's talk about the exhibitions. Look, Mark, I have been and met Spot the Dog twice now at two different <laughs> exhibitions at the end of this year. Exhibitions, it was just electric. The exhibitions were absolutely electric. Geo Business, Highways UK, a, a national highways event beforehand. Because we are human and the best way of us interacting is face to face. That's why I love these shows and these live shows, because you get a sense of, you know, people and, and what they're passionate about. But equally, I do believe that we've got an idea about how to run these shows, particularly outdoor shows as well. And there's lots of measures that have been put in place. You know, will uh, you know some of those shows be cancelled? I can't tell you. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. But fundamentally, I think shows are an absolute essential to and live events, not just shows absolutely essential to our industry looking at how we do things because fundamentally these shows actually put people with people and get that can show technology and FutureWorks is a great example of that I'll be going live from that event that is absolutely bang on where we need what we need to talk about with the right people will all these things happen you know crystal ball is not in my hand mark with that element but I do believe We've got a fantastic potential for next year to really ramp up the level of content that people want to consume, which is people seeing things working, people asking the questions like they're doing live here, and we can respond to them. And people actually going and saying, look, this is what we want you to look at for us. You know, I'm going to be telling people next year, I'm going to be doing future tour stops. And some of them will be with you, Mark. Some of them will be with Nick and some of them will be all three of us. And we're going to really look at what our audience wants to find out more about and go and see that and get the information for them and, and, and help to educate like we have been doing throughout the, the, this whole pandemic. So I'm positive about it, but I'm positive anyway, Mark, aren't I? Yeah, yeah you've, you've proven that a number of times. Um, obviously, I mean, exhibitions do do play that role with, of, of, of gauging sentiment and everything else. But I also think that, you know, they, they are the bit where we get to see what is coming showcased. You and I came back from Las Vegas. There was lots of hardware. I said this to somebody yesterday. There was lots and lots of hardware there. But I came back most excited about the tech. You know, it was the software and, and the systems and that kind of thing. We're now almost two years down the line, and we're starting to see some of that arriving. One of the ones that, that obviously, we've, we've already touched on, um, the, the switch from red to white diesel and HVO and everything else, at the time that we came back from Vegas was around about the time that JCB announced the fact that it had a prototype um, hydrogen machine. It's now got three. It's got a telehandler, an excavator, and a backhoe loader. Do we get to see a hydrogen-fueled, commercially available machine in 2022? Yes, for the right <laughs> applications. Basically, yes. That's a bold statement. Yeah, because uh, I think that um, if you've got the right application where you've got a fuel source... So actually, you you have hydrogen on site, and you uh, then you've got an opportunity to do that. I mean, you look at the what's happening in Tees Valley uh, with the fact that they're making the you know the wind turbine factories in Tees Valley. They've then announced that they're going to actually have high. I think it's a hydrogen setup there. So you, you're fundamentally going to be creating spaces um, where we can have these things and and and, and make them actionable. So the, the critical factor is the fuel source. Have we got the fuel? There will be someone somewhere 
which is basically going to be able to have hydrogen as a fuel source. And I think these are probably more fixed sites. I'm not saying they're necessarily construction sites. Maybe we're going to see things like waste applications. Maybe you're going to see energy from waste then creating its own hydrogen as a fuel source. But that is absolutely possible. I mean, might be towards the end of the year, but I can see somebody somewhere get having purchased one of these units and using it. You know, <coughs> I, I, I think it's a yes from me, Mark. It, it feels like a race at the moment, doesn't it? You know, mm. it, it feels like you know somebody is is going to get the first mover <clears> advantage <throat> when it comes to hydrogen fuel, and you know there are some some pretty impressive names. You know, Volvo, JCB, Caterpillar, all of these real big names who are obviously working on this in the background. Just for, be interested to see who gets across the finish line first. Yeah, for me, who's not in in that part of the industry, it's really exciting to see because. If, for the first time, we are we are pushing the boundaries, or they are pushing the boundaries, and to have these people, as you say, racing to try and get something better than something else, will only actually improve every piece of machinery, won't it? So the okay, we got the first iteration of those type of machines at the present moment in time. By the time we get to the end of two thousand and twenty-two, we could even be on the second and the third, and and, and we're pushing the boundaries. So fantastic. You've only got to look, Mark, just quickly. You've only got to look at what Caterpillar's announced um, with electrification and, and uh, how Volvo has brought out numerous units and JCB numerous units and other manufacturers this year to see that that is coming. Because, you know, how we've accelerated with um, the, the delivery of actual electric-ready workable machines this year in a pandemic has been outstanding. And, and people like Volvo have super impressed me with other things that they're doing as well, uh, in particular their, their sort of collaboration with Lego to create a, another machine type. And But I think you'll see the flood of these things coming through in 2022 because the, the, the work has already been done and it's been hidden behind closed doors until they're ready. You know, the big players obviously like JCB, boom, there's another hydrogen unit. Boom, there's a, a way of getting the fuel that we need to put in it. It's 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 there, and there's some billions and billions being thrown at this. And, you know, you've only got to look at uh, how people are talking to say, look, can we get, the, the, you know, the filling stations, the, the filling solutions, uh, and all the rest of it. And, and I, I just genuinely think it's on its way. And when I talk to plant hirers like Flannery, you know, they're like, look, you know, if it's there, we will test it in the real world. We will get it on site uh, and get it working so that we can make sure this technology actually uh, it works and is fit for purpose. The billion dollar question then. Let's imagine it is now, um, whatever it is, what is the date today? The 15th of December 2022. We've had another year. Hopefully Omicron proves to be something and nothing and, and all of that. What what is the industry looking like? Are we up on numbers? Are we down on numbers? Have skills shortages been rectified? Have we got materials prices under control? And and all that good stuff. How does the industry look in 12 months' time? Neil first. Thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> I can give you the facts, what's on the, on the actual um, our uh, system at the present moment in time, which our researchers have uh, obviously very good and, and gone round. We've just got under £6 billion worth of projects that are to be, to be bid for between now and the end of the first quarter of 2022. And that equates to about 300 projects. Compared to 2000, what, 2021, 
that is slightly down. Um, it isn't a great deal down, but it is slightly down. What we are seeing is that people have been taking annual leave over this last two or three weeks as well because they've got to take take it before they lose it in 2022. So the, what they're doing is is it's a quiet, it's, it has become quieter so far in December than what we normally uh, experience through through our researchers here. Um, I think we are going to see publicly funded projects other than the ones that the government have keep going on about and uh, the 40 hospitals, which are not new hospitals, some of them, and now they're kind of changing the actual specification of these hospitals. We will start to see those coming in next year, we believe. But that probably in the way of public spending, because of what we're spending elsewhere, whether it be on social care or the NHS, et cetera, may be the limitations of it. Um, so what we've got to look at is the private sector. We're never going to lose the housing side of things. And housing doesn't get onto the tender side of things because a lot of that is like the Carla homes, the Barclay homes and all of those. They don't tender anything. It's obviously they're an in-house spec. And we get those that information not, not too far before they start on site. So we're still going to see those because we still need to build 250,000 units per year to catch up on what we, as a UK population. Um, by way of, how, so that's by way of housing. By way of commercial, I think it's going to still be leaning towards those hub centres, those large uh, warehouse industrial units, whether it be in Northampton or Corby, the centre of the UK, you're going to have these hub places and we've still got the the issue of free ports you know uh, i think it was two um the chancellor stecker said was it two years ago that we're going to set up these free ports once we come out of uh, of brexit there's still going to be some work being involved in those so um i think next year is going to be a year of pause but doesn't mean that's going to be a negative it's going to be a it's going to be a year of pause. That's my crystal ball. It won't get any better, but it won't get any worse. But the external influences will be uncontrollable, unfortunately, from the industry perspective. And that will be the way of rising costs, shortages of people. And I think, think in the report just recently, the over the age of 55, um, the number of people leaving the industry is been quite significant over the last 18 months and they haven't been replaced with it coming through uh, and you know i'm over 55 so <laughs> yeah but i'm still here but um but that's going to be part of it as well so external influences are going to come in and and affect the industry but we are so resilient we are so very very good at adapting and that's what i'm sure we will do I'm going to come to you in a second, Peter, but before we do that, obviously, in a year down the line, um, not that I'd like to predict anything in terms of politics, but we will be nearing the end of Boris Johnson's reign, assuming he's, he decides to stick around for that long. And, and at that time, I mean, you and I have charted this, Neil, for, for the last decade or more. You know, that does tend to free up the purse strings, doesn't it? And it's, you know, that that's when we get the, the spending on on roads and rail and on hospitals and on schools, all of which are, are currently stuck. And you, you mentioned hospitals. The other one that, that struck me as well is this um, spend on infrastructure. We've been promised 650 billion on infrastructure. And I know Peter's done some work on on that as well. 
that's got to come, you know, and, and no better time than when Boris Johnson is hopefully trying to win some more votes, I guess. Yeah, I think that's going to be the 2023. So that, that's what I mean. I think that's 2023, 2024. Um, he's got to somehow find, you know, he's got to look down the back of the sofa for those extra few pounds um, to actually uh, make sure that he's got the, the money there to do those sort of things. But I'm sure Rishi Sunak will be part of, of the the new government um, as well, um, that he's going to say, right, if we're going to stay in power, then we've got to release some of the purse strings and do these uh, £650 billion worth of uh, infrastructure. Um, we always complain about uh, our roads and the potholes and the, uh, the state of our roads. I think that's going to be an easy win. And it always is an easy vote winner for people is looking at roads and how we can actually improve roads. The second one is obviously hospitals, um that's not an education is third so yeah i think in those three sectors in 2023 i think you'll be seeing uh some uh movement and some uh input in uh in new new projects so peter over to you it's now 2022 how does the world look through the lens of peter haddock uh, you're <laughs> muted i think one, Mark, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, it is going to be more technology-led, more integrated. I'll add to Neil's thing about saying that, you know, the, the sort of communications, telecommunications infrastructure is going to be massive uh, as we build up. You know, there's a lot of people throwing billions at, at making sure we've got good uh, quality connectivity, uh, particularly in this time. But what I do see, and I, you know, it really is going to explode next year, uh, particularly something I'm going to focus on is skills because fundamentally we now cannot hide away from the fact that we've lost a lot of people um, like your previous, um, uh, the previous person that came on. So we've lost a lot of people to go back to their home countries in certain respects uh, and we haven't been able to communicate effectively with school leavers and things like that because of the pandemic. Um, but what I'm seeing is a huge amount of money being thrown at skills. And uh, I think that's going to be a fundamental um, in as we move forward. We've got to do a lot of work around not just new people, but upskilling people to be, I'd call say, say digital construction managers, digitally enabled people from the office as well as on site. And there's that connectivity that's going to keep coming and keep pushing and keep pushing. So, so lots and lots of connected led technologies coming out. And I do believe we're going to see uh, like Malcolm Dare, I referred to earlier, I do believe we're going to see some really big players, disruptor-style players coming into the market that are well-funded on the technology front to change the way in which construction can work better and be more integrated. And, you know, I, I see that being huge. There's war chests that are, are around at the moment for people. I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to predict some nice you know, mergers between businesses as well. And I'm going to predict a more open source um, way of working with data because the biggest thing about our industry is it's so disparate. So, you know, you've got, 
your clients at the top end, then you've got the tier one contractors, then you've got the main plant contractors. And then, you know, I went onto a, a big site the other day and it had four to five different plant hire companies supplying equipment. Well, all of that's got to work together and all of that's got to be integrated. And I see a big, big push for carbon emission standards, like I said. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the manufacturers are going to do, they, uh, you know, this year because uh, they've made some breakthrough um, uh, pieces of equipment this year. We've seen some amazing technology. And I predict, Mark, that we will see people working in very nice offices uh, with a remote control station of some sort uh, operating kit uh, on site. And um, I've always said to people that, you know, it depends if equipment is near housing or whatever. But I've always said to people, why have we not advanced in the 24-hour the working model so that we can actually have you know, people do say, say, for example, you know, a lot of the digging and moving around being done during the day when it's light. And then a lot of the dozing and and all of the batters and things like that being created uh, and managed and the site preened, let's say, for the next day overnight, you know, because there's no reason why that can't happen. So I do believe we've got the connectivity and I do believe we've got the technologies now to to go remote control. And I do think, you know, we're, we're going to have a real big, big splurge on connected uh, asset technologies. It's interesting you mentioned the word disruptors because obviously the, the top of the show um, before we started crystal ball gazing, I was talking about Liberty Industrial, an Australian demolition company coming into the UK. Yeah. You don't make that sort of leap around the other side of the world unless you've done your homework. They've done that with, with a degree of confidence in what the market has to offer them as well as what they have to offer the market. And I, I, I do sense, you know, despite my glass half full persona, you know, th there is still a lot to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, there I, is. I, I think you're, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, and, and to go on to Peter's, um, uh, what he was just talking about 24 hour working, I, uh, uh, like a sad person that I sometimes can be, I was watching Country File um, the other weekend on a Sunday, and they were showing the first uh, crop cutting 24 hours via digital as well. So the technology is nearly there, is nearly there for, and the same, they were saying that this could be rolled out into obviously machinery, etc. So exactly right. Our machines, I don't know, and I, I, I've got two experts uh, on this show with me, <laughs> which are far more um, worldly in the actual uh, details than I am but I'm sure our machinery is only working productivity wise probably only what eight hours a day ten hours a day and um, oh, so what's happened to the other that must help things as well it, it's it, technology will be the new thing definitely for the construction industry uh, yeah I I'd I... I'd go even further than that. I mean, Peter Peter alluded to this. You know, you've got some machines. I, I, I'll take a site dumper for as an example. You know, a site dumper can, despite the fact that it's the site is live for eight or nine hours a day, a dumper might only be working for an hour and a half. You know, yeah. it basically sits there idle. And, and, and you know, bearing in mind, we've still got, what is it, 80 85% of all equipment in the UK is on a plant hire basis. So, you know, somebody has rented that machine to go and park it in the corner of a site to do an hour and a half work. And, and it could be there for months, you know, it's, 
And again, it all comes back to technology. You know, to, if you could monitor that as a, as a contractor and say, okay, well, I can see this is being underutilized. So rather than having three, we'll go down to two or possibly even one. We'll offer the others and we'll keep the money in our back pocket. Yeah, and that technology is already uh, being used, Mark. I think, you know, uh, I was quite um, shocked when when Ardent Hire Solutions um, actually won a, a, an industry, construction industry or building industry technology award. And that was a few years ago. And, and they're doing exactly that with the customers. And so are the other sort of major plant hirers as well. They're, they're basically offering what you'd call a premium service to manage that flow, to manage uh, not just things like that, but also to manage things like uh, warnings for seatbelts not being used, um, to manage you know the the machine health and things like that. So that sort of stuff is already out there, and this is why I say this, this whole disruptor market coming into to space because if you've got that information and it's readily available to you at head office level and any other connected device and person within your 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 management structure all the way down to the site uh, manager and, and even you know the operatives then you know you you've got that level of control and and you've therefore got that level of visibility and you've therefore got that ability to to say look this is not this is not going to work you know so uh, we need to to do this this and this and we need to stand this this and this down the other thing about that is what we're getting to is more real-time management for those sort of things to happen. So, for example, it's why did we? Why were we down on production this week? Well, because we had some horrendous weather and 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 rain. Or actually, you know, well, we can't do anything about that now. But we need to catch up, so we need more machines on the site. Well, well, hold on a minute. As we saw in real time that we're having these disruptions and we're having a lot of uh, machines idling in a big chain. For example, so because hey, the prime mover was uh, went down, then <clears throat> actually you can do something to rectify these things a lot quicker. Because actually, you know, we sh that prime mover shouldn't have gone down because the prime mover was saying, "Hey, I'm a little bit unhealthy. I need a bit of looking after because the engine's overheating." And I'm telling you that. So preventative maintenance comes into space as well. So all of these technologies and this connectivity gives you a dashboard scenario where you can say who's operating what, you know, are they using are they using seatbelts? Is that machine healthy? Is that machine, you know, um, the, is is that machine getting the payload it should do? So is it filling the bucket correctly each time because the payload monitoring is telling us it's doing that? And and what about the cycle times on site? Have we got four ADTs? That seem to be idling a lot. Well, take one off because you know the weather conditions or the whole road conditions um, are, are such that we can't fill those things fast enough. So all these things are there, and not only that, some of the main contractors and and, and the plant hirers again. I'll, I'll talk about Flannery. They've been doing these sort of monitoring things for years now, and they're getting very very good at it, so that they can actually manage the, the site for their clients a lot more effectively and share that information with their teams and educate the people from the client that are on site that are ultimately responsible for that site. So we've always had a trench between, you know, the, the main, you know, uh, main contractors and the plant houses, so earthworks sector. Now that trench is being filled in and, and it's being filled in because the information's there, all the data is brought in and it's, and it's then manipulated with algorithms to actually give you useful information. 
let's take that to its natural conclusion. I'm going to make this the final point because we're way over an hour. And <laughs> frankly, <laughs> I did some breakfast. But you've, you've mentioned people like Flannery and Lynch and Plant Force and True Seven, you know, these big and Ardent as well, these big name plant hirers. And we've also talked about this idea of uh, first mover advantage, you know, the first people to go electric, the first people to go hydrogen. With all of that data available, are we likely to see a day where we have a hire come out and say, actually, rather than paying a weekly or a daily or a monthly rental mm-hmm. fee, you will basically pay by an hour. An hour we, 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 yeah. can, we can monitor it down. We can monitor it down to the fact that you use that dumper for 59 minutes on that day. Could we yep. see that? Yes. Yeah, I think so. That's <laughs> just a yes from me, Mark. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, 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 the only Sorry, question, yeah. the only question that I've got is how uh, I think forward-thinking and innovative companies will do those sort of things. And, I'm, and what I'm talking about is the the actual buyers of that technology, uh, rather than the actual providers of that technology. But my question is, is how quick will that be? Uh, at, because it, it should be happening sooner rather than later. But how quick will the industry actually? Uh, take on board that and that in my own field um, in this field of technology of construction data what we find is a lot of people want it a lot of people need it but sometimes they don't want to pay for it that's all I would say and that's what I have they got the budgets for that type of because type of new technology and new thought processes or are they still working on their five-year plan set five years ago and they're not going to come off of that railway track there, there will be a cost unquestionably but when you look at things like i mean the, the one that, that we've seen most recently probably is the jcb live link jcb live link which has all that data within it comes yeah. as part of the package you know you buy yeah. a piece of jcb equipment you've already got that equipment and it just basically needs and a it's... plant hire to put the dashboard in place to monitor that doesn't it and that's exactly what yeah sorry so that's exactly what Sunbelt Rentals is doing you know Sunbelt Rentals have integrated their live link into their consumer uh, yeah their, their client consumer um portal to do exactly that and and integrated with other elements and things as well and i think you know let's look at technology and let's think it slightly differently if you do this and you do this well you basically keep the client and and that customer and actually you lock them in to your way of working so it's within your own interest to provide that information to educate the people in that that are going to use it at, at, at head office and at sort of site level. Uh, because if you can lock in that customer and and have them forevermore, then you know it it doesn't matter. To, and that's what is happening out there. People are going. This is what our client needs. Needs to be simple. Needs to be super easy to understand and work. We give that to them. They literally press a button on and off hire. They listen. Somebody else just presses a button in the cab and says, we need a dumper tomorrow, ding. And it's all there. And so making it so much more impactful and easier to do. And that's what you know the big players are doing. And it, and it runs deeper as well than uh, obviously there are, there are cost advantages for the user of that equipment. But, you know, at a time when, you know, post COP26 and we're talking about reducing emissions, you know, if you can actually take one, two, 20 machines off a site, not have them working because they're not working for one reason or another, that's a that's a, a, a double whammy win, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yep. So I think that probably wraps us up. Uh, 
all feeling fairly positive about the future, which is um, not like me at all, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Have we changed your mind, have we? No. no <laughs> I, 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 I shall, as soon as the show has ended, the JCB jumper is coming off. I shall shout, bar humbug, <laughs> to an empty office. But, but no, I mean, genuinely, I mean, I, obviously, you know, I, I, I want, I want um, Hillhead and Baumer to go ahead next year. I want Just, to see a hydrogen machine. I want to see the industry thriving. I want the skills shortage addressed. I want materials prices to get under control. But there are there there just does feel like an awful lot of challenges out there. But I, I guess they're all they're all challenges that in some ways are positive. You know, we've got a skill yeah. shortage because we've got a shit ton of work. If yeah. we if we had no work, we wouldn't have a problem, would we? Yep. Peter made an important point about exhibitions and, and shows, and that is we are, we are a social world and they are extremely important. And I think next year you will see there would be a, a push towards definitely going from because we've had these two years of or 20 months of, of is it on, is it off, is it on, is it off, etc. I think the psyche of the construction industry and the exhibitors and all of that sort will say, we are doing, we are doing because we need that social interaction and nothing is better than meeting up with a few people and saying, this is what we've got. But probably what we're going to have to do is, as also Peter said, is ask them what, rather than tell them this is what they need, is also ask them what do they want? And that's, they're, they're two totally different questions. And then, and then <clears> you've got to integrate it together. Absolutely right. <laughs> I, I think that would do us. I, I'm sure you've got day jobs to get back to. I, I promised you'd be in and out in 15 minutes, and here we are an hour and 20 minutes later. So um, what, what the hell? Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I hope all of your hopes and dreams and aspirations come true. I hope my pessimism doesn't impact anybody. <laughs> it, listen, nobody listens to a word I say anyway, so no. <laughs> I don't suppose that will be a major concern. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be speaking to you both beforehand, but I will take this opportunity to wish you both a very happy, safe yep. and prosperous New Year. Um, and you. And as I say, hope your your aspirations come true rather more than my pessimism. Yep. And Thanks very much, Mark. And, um, and go on, Mark. Go on, Neil. I'll see you uh, hopefully in early part of New Year to round up what happened in 2021. It will that have to be early good. in the New Year because we, we have columns to fill. So, yeah, absolutely. But, Neil, for the time being, thanks for being here. And thanks, Neil. Great to see you. You know, Mark, Mark, uh, you know, I think it's it's been a fantastic year. I've just wanted to say thank you to your viewers and li uh, listeners as such uh, for putting up with me this year as well. And I think, you know, credit where credit's due. You've done an amazing job to keep going with the show. And, you know, the fact that we're growing in numbers all the time of the people that are engaging and uh, working with the show is a testament to all the hard work you've put in. There are challenges facing for everybody all the time, you know, and I think we've we've come across very well this year in the, the particularly the work that you've done uh, in explaining how things are changing, and and that's invaluable to businesses that that don't know what next step it is. And I think we're going to accelerate that even more as we look to towards 2022, and it's going to be a great year for everyone. And I wish everyone a very very well-deserved break take time out and relax over christmas because it's going to be a hell of a ride in 2022 and on that basis i'm going to take you out of the stream because i'm going to just going to echo everything you said peter you've been an absolute star again many thanks indeed for your input no problem
Yes, I will echo exactly what Peter said. Um, it, it has been a tough year, and I do hope that you all get a chance to actually put your feet up over the Christmas, spend some time with uh, family, friends, and loved ones. Um, assuming COVID allows us to do precisely that. Um, I'm going to wrap things up. I'm not going to go over into the chat because I think we've probably addressed most of that chat today and we are an hour and a half into the show. Um, just in case you you catch this bit late, I am planning to split this in half. So we'll do our usual show, which will appear over on Demolition News, but we'll also take this chat part of it and we'll put that over on to, uh, to YouTube and, and we'll package all of that up as well. So uh, people like uh, Lou, who had to duck out, and Ken, who had to go back to work, you will be able to catch this later on. The fact that you're Lou's back, um, so... Obviously, Lou, you've got that message. I don't know why I'm saying Ken can catch it later on because he won't hear me saying that because he's not here, but you get the idea. So with all that being said, stay safe. Look after yourself, your family, your friends, and your colleagues. I will be back here on the morrow with more of this old stuff and nonsense, although hopefully it will be less than an hour and a half long. But in the meantime, have a great day, everyone, and have a great 2022.